Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. At Kroger, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself. Because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at Kroger.com boost. Hey, everyone. My name is Brad Kling, and I'm one of the hosts of the brand new podcast in the Arc-like media family called Everyday Paranormal, the podcast. I'm filling in on this episode of Hometown History for my buddy Shane Waters. So I hope you enjoy this episode about a place called Skidmore, Missouri, the little town that killed. There are some unsolved mysteries that aren't mysteries at all. On the afternoon of July 10, 1981, a group of 40 townspeople surrounded a brown Chevrolet pickup truck in the small town of Skidmore, Missouri. A local couple was seated inside, 47-year-old Ken McElroy and his wife Trina, after leaving the D&D Tavern. As the couple closed their doors and prepared to drive home, an eerie silence settled over the scene. The crowd was blocking their way and was unclear for a few moments what exactly was happening. McElroy looked at his wife, who looked at him. He lit a cigarette, started the truck, and rifle fire from multiple directions exploded around him. Part of his head ended up on the front dash. Trina was unharmed. In total, there may have been as many as 46 witnesses to the execution of Ken McElroy, including his wife, who gave police the names of one of the shooters. Keep in mind, this happened in broad daylight on Main Street in an American town. Following the shooting, a few onlookers approached the truck to ensure McElroy was dead, but no one pretended to help him. For nearly an hour afterward, his body lay there, slumped on the steering wheel, without a sheriff or paramedic on the scene. No one was ever charged. In fact, no one in town ever called the police. The only way law enforcement knew to come was from a call from McElroy's brother, who had himself been called by Trina. During the investigation that followed, a member of the mob summed up the collective response by saying, he needed a killing. There was no attempt to cover up what happened, to dispose of the body or remove any of the evidence. Yet no trial or even a single charge has ever taken place. No arrests no intrigue, and no outrage. But some of you are probably feeling outrage right now, and I hope you're intrigued. This is one of the most bizarre cases I've ever encountered in all my years of true crime investigation. And yet the actual investigation 
maybe the least interesting I've ever seen. Everyone already knows what happened. This episode is about a crime, but it's not a true crime episode. It's a brief history lesson about what happens to a town bully and the town he bullies when he's pushed it to a breaking point. Now that your heart is full of outrage and empathy for poor Ken McElroy, I'll list a few of the crimes that led to this moment. Are you ready? Cattle wrestling, burglary, child molestation, animal cruelty, intimidation, stalking, arson, rape, and the list goes on and on. When he was 35, Ken began following a local school bus in his pickup truck with his eyes on one particular 12-year-old girl. He would sometimes cut off the bus and demand she leave with him. The bus driver, for some reason, let him take her. The whole town knew what was happening. Kids talk. And for a while, Skidmore did nothing. The name of that girl? Trina McLeod, later known as Trina McElroy. She was sitting beside Ken 12 years later as his wife, at the ripe old age of 24, when vigilantes finally separated him from the top of his head. So how does a well-known stalker and public pedophile marry a local middle schooler without going to jail? First, he threatens her family with violence. When that doesn't work, he burns their house down and shoots their dog. When it becomes clear that they're about to be murdered, the girl's parents sign the necessary paperwork for an underage marriage. As the saying goes, bad gas travels fast in a small town. And once again, everyone in Skidmore knew what was happening. What did they do? When McElroy first brought Trina home to live with him, he was already married to another woman named Alice. He divorced Alice and married Trina to silence the only witness to his crime of statutory rape. Shortly after their marriage, but after Trina had given birth to her first child at age 15, both women fled to the quote, safety of Trina's family home. When he'd realized where they'd gone, McElroy knew just what he had to do. Gaps in the diet shouldn't be ignored. Over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet, and 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by an exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 plus. It's formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. Now I have first-hand knowledge of how ritual multivitamins are effective. My wife, very sluggish, having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning, very achy, and not very active during the day. She started taking these multivitamins and her energy levels went through the roof. She's a new person. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash hometown and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash Hometown. He burned down the McLeod house again and shot their new dog. At this point, it was too much for even the local DA to ignore. And in June of 1973, McElroy was indicted for arson, assault, and statutory rape. But for whatever reason, the county judge put him back on the streets on a $2,500 bail. At this point, Trina was living with her baby in a foster home. And when McElroy found out where she was living, he began stalking her all over again. 
He parked out front with his shotgun and reminded the foster family of his experience following children's school buses. He'd been following their biological daughter to and from school and was prepared to, quote, trade girl for girl. The family complained. New charges were filed for intimidation and stalking. But what did law enforcement actually do about it? Ultimately, afraid for their daughter's own life, the foster family turned her over. Three years later, in 1976, nothing had come of the charges. McElroy was now stalking a Skidmore farmer named Romaine Henry. After Henry confronted him for discharging a shotgun on his farm, McElroy parked outside Henry's home more than a hundred times before stopping him in the road one day, holding a shotgun to his stomach and pulling the trigger twice. Large portions of Henry's midsection were shot away, but somehow he survived. When this attempted murder went to trial, it was charged as first-degree assault. There were three witnesses, including the victim, but it won't surprise to hear that McElroy knew just what to do. He parked outside the witness's home, firing his shotgun into the air. He filled the mailboxes of jurors with rattlesnakes. He was acquitted. Once again, Ken McElroy was bullying the town of Skidmore in broad daylight. The nearest police station was 15 minutes away, and the Nottoway County Sheriff's Department had long since proven its unwillingness to do its job. So, the mayor of Skidmore hired a town marshal, like in the old Western movies, to babysit the local bully and ultimately take him down. The man's name was David Dunbar. And after two days on the job, McElroy pulled his gun on the new marshal. The simplest thing to do would be to arrest him, or just call in a small battalion of officers and outgun him and end his reign of terror. But when Dunbar radioed for backup, no one came. No police from nearby jurisdictions, no sheriff's deputies, no one. They told Dunbar he needed to, quote, de-escalate the situation. He needed to, quote, calm down and manage this because no one would be coming to help him. So much for the thin blue line, at least in Nottoway County. The following morning, Marshal Dunbar walked into the courthouse, placed his gun and badge in the mayor's desk, and quit. In 1980, after four more years of intimidation, burglaries, and terror, one of McElroy's youngest children was accused of stealing jawbreakers from a local grocery. He confronted the store owner, a woman named Lois Bowenkamp, and promised to never shop with her again, which was a stupid thing to do because this was the only grocery store in town. When McElroy later tried to buy cigarettes, Lois reminded him of his earlier promise and let him know that even if he'd forgotten it, she was committed to keeping it for him. He could go to the gas station or another town for his cigarettes. McElroy was a large man, over six feet tall and roughly 270 pounds. But he wasn't a fighter in the conventional sense. He was a coward above all, and everything he did, he did with a shotgun. He kept it in his truck, and it appears to have been the first recourse for most of his arguments. After stewing at home for a while, McElroy returned to Bowen Camp's store this time through the employee entrance in the back. He approached Lois's husband, Bo Bowenkamp, where he stood in the stockroom and put a shotgun to his neck. Bo moved just enough when McElroy pulled the trigger that he missed his carotid artery. And somehow, Bo survived. Another open and shut case. But the Nottoway County prosecutor was so scared of McElroy that he resigned rather than to charge him. An inexperienced replacement named David Baird was hired fresh out of law school, and thanks to his courage and skill, McElroy was convicted of a crime for the first time in his life. But what was the first thing the judge did once McElroy was sentenced? Let him out on bond for $60,000. I kid you not, within days, this convicted felon and well-known child molester slash attempted murderer was back on the street running amok. 
A day later, he was spotted with his shotgun, of course, in the D&G Tavern, in violation of his bond. Three locals signed an affidavit as witnesses to put him back behind bars. Everyone knew what would happen next. Ken McElroy began stalking these three men, making all the usual threats. It got so bad, a buddy system was established where none of the men nor their families would travel anywhere alone. These people drove to the grocery store in literal convoys of cars. Stop and think about it for a moment. One man, recently convicted, driving around, intimidating, and controlling the behavior of an entire town. It's insane, but the court hearing to return McElroy to jail for violating his bond was coming soon. Everyone was just waiting to exhale. From what little you know of Nottoway County, you probably have some sense of what happened next. The hearing was postponed, and it was in this moment that the people of Skidmore gave up hope. A crowd of locals gathered that day at the Legion Hall before half went ahead to the D&G to wait for McElroy. While he drank inside, a simmering mob assembled outside, and a few minutes later, a virtual firing squad shot out the windows of a Chevy pickup. Then it quietly walked away. And to this day, it's really all we know. No one will talk. No one has ever talked, or at least not in definitive terms. In the investigation that followed, pretty much the entire town or anyone knew anything claimed to go blank on the morning of July 10th, 1981. No one remembered anything. The FBI was brought in, and no one would talk to them either. Trina told officers she saw D&G owner Del Clement firing through the windshield. But Clement had alibis, however many he wanted, and he was never arrested. After the killing, the town of Skidmore changed, and not only in the way locals expected. McElroy was gone, but something darker had replaced him. There was no celebration after McElroy's death, because there couldn't be. It never happened. It was a phantom event. But how can you celebrate something that no one remembers? And in a strange way, there was no relief. In the months that followed the assassination, an air of suspicion and secrecy settled over Skidmore. People didn't walk the streets like they used to. They were less talkative, less friendly. In a strange way, with the town finally safe from its bully, the public life of Skidmore slowly died. People migrated indoors and increasingly kept to themselves with their secrets and a common killing in their hearts. A town of 440 shrunk to 280 as people moved away, and nearly every one of the town's handful of businesses closed. On the one hand, this episode is what happens to a town bully when law enforcement fails to protect his victims and they've finally had enough. On the other hand, it's a story of what happens when a hometown becomes something less than that. It becomes a hit squad and one that lies under oath in an investigation that follows. There's really no coming back from that, and most residents of Skidmore have given up hopes that it ever will. Over the course of his life, Ken McElroy had been arrested and released 21 times without serving a day in prison. After McElroy himself, the law enforcement community of Nottoway County, Missouri deserves most of this blame. But is there some part of the blame that falls on the town itself? Remember when this arch-villain routinely pulled a 12-year-old girl off a school bus and took her home to rape her? The driver opened the door and let him have her. And by failing to respond, is it not the case that the rest of the town did the same? We know the cops and judges were useless and probably corrupt. Where was the community? Where were the other parents and teachers who knew this was happening? And when he burned down the McLeod family home, not once but twice, put rattlesnakes in jurors' mailboxes and intimidated witnesses with shotguns threatened to trade girl for girl. 
Each time, the immediate victim backed down out of fear, apparently with nothing to fall back on. This is one of those episodes where we'd especially love to hear your thoughts. What should the town of Skidmore have done in this situation? What else could they have done? What would you have done? Reach out on Twitter and let us know. You can find us on at HHistoryPod. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Okay, so this bike feels like he's capable of a little more than just trips to the convenience store. Oh, also, he wants to let you know that you can buy a gallon of ice cream instead of a pint every time. (laughs) Those are his words. So he said roughly like, blink the last wheel. It doesn't really translate, but the way he said it was super funny. (laughs) Get 24-7 roadside assistance with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Roadside assistance subject to policy terms and limits and may require comprehensive coverage. You could save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, but when we just come out and say it, it feels like it falls a bit flat. So we're going to use humor. But we don't want to insult your intelligence, so nothing too goofy. And we need to avoid any polarizing topics. Oh, and it has to be about how you can save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. You know what? Maybe humor is a bad idea. Yeah, it's never going to work. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations.